episode 45 is coming at ya, Parkrun Adventurers. We are having tacos. Welcome to the podcast this week, Scotty. Uh, well, we are having tacos. I had enchiladas. <laughs> <laughs> it's Mexican funness all round. Parkrun hasn't reached Mexico, has it? It has in the homes of adventurers. I thought we were going to preempt the news. <laughs> We're launching Parkrun Mexico. Well, somebody should get on it. Let's find out. Here's the news. Nine hundred and seventy-two events took place across fourteen countries last Parkrun Day. If printed paper versions of all the athlete barcodes taken to Parkrun last weekend were laid end to end, they would measure a distance of nine point eight four kilometers. Had 10,768 parkrunners not forgotten their barcodes, the total distance would have spanned more than two parkruns in length. The past week saw the Pan Pacific Masters take place on the Gold Coast in Queensland. Parkrunners took part in a multitude of events and brought home much shiny bling. Congrats to Deanna Elliott, Mark Munchenberg, Simon Mackley, Ryan Stoddard and all the other parkrunners who participated. In New Zealand, the inaugural Tarawera Trail Marathon and 50k Geyser 2 Volcano event was held last weekend. Over 1,000 participants took on the challenging terrain between Taipua and Lake Tarawera's hot water beach. Many parkrun adventurers, Kiwi and Aussie alike, enjoyed the challenge, including Majel Backhausen, who took out the 50km epic, and various members of event teams from both Queensland and New South Wales. Planning for festive fun is well underway with Parkrun Australia, releasing the annual Christmas compendium of events. Many parkruns are yet to declare their intentions for hosting an additional Christmas and New Year's Day runs, and adventurers the world over await in anticipation. The one day of the year where we can run two park runs in one day, New Year's Day. A fun time of year. Do you know some people are running two park runs in one day already? Illegally. Yes. How do you feel about this, Mel? Um... It's a bit of a mixed bag, really. I mean, there's the argument that they are legitimately running two park runs and therefore, you know, they've run the 5K distance twice. So they're not actually cheating in that respect. But um, then there's also the argument that it's not fair on people who don't live in geographic locations or who don't run fast enough to be able to run in one event and then travel to a second event and run there. So... Personally, it's not something I have ever done or will ever do illegally, but that's just because I'm a little bit of a follows-the-rules girl. How do you feel about it? Well, let's give a little bit of a brief background. In Sydney, there are events that start at 7 o'clock and there are events that start at 8 o'clock. So it is quite easy now for someone to run a 7 o'clock run, get in the car, drive a short distance, and do an 8 o'clock run. I don't have a problem with that, except if you're scanning in at both events. Parkrun asks you not to scan in at your second event. Some people don't respect that advice. They can get to milestone clubs in half the amount of time. Yeah, just think it goes against the parkrun ethos a little bit. But on to happier stuff. New Year's Day. Have you got plans of where you'll be going for your legal doubles? Uh, I'll be at home. I think I might be volunteering. Haven't 100% decided yet. See, now this is the part where I'm going to edge you out in the most events list if you don't go someplace, because I'm going to do two new events I've never done. Well, good on you. <laughs> <laughs> Where's your competitive spirit, Scotty? It's no fun if you're not actually going to compete with me. Yeah. Well, I've changed my ethos as well, so I'm not going to be adventuring as much as I... No, I shouldn't say that, because I'm a parkrun adventurer. Yeah. Scratch that. That's not going to go down well. But that's the truth. Um, yeah, it's the truth for six months, and then you'll get bored and you'll want to keep going. The truth is fluid. Look, don't discount me, Mel. Just because I probably won't 
do two new events on New Year's Day doesn't mean I might not do two new events prior to New Year Day. New Year's Day. Can't speak. <laughs> oh, I'm quivering in my boots. We've still got a few new events launching down here. You do. You guys are popping them out like I don't know what <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> That's all right, Queensland. Queensland's going to come into their own in the early part of 2017, and we're going to start launching a whole bunch of new events as well. Very exciting. A lot of regional areas are going to be getting events that didn't have them before, so that's going to be amazing. I love it. It's nice when you can launch new events sort of close-ish to other ones to help relieve the pressure of, like, big numbers and things like that, but there's just nothing like launching an event whose closest event is you know, three hours away or more because that's that's the whole new excitement starting all over again for whole new communities. Love it. In the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about, and you've heard it in the Parkrun Adventurers news, the World Masters going on over in Perth. We're lucky enough to be about to talk to a lady who was there in person and participated in a few events. Welcome to the podcast, Lavinia Petrie. Thank you very much, Mel. So tell us about your adventures over to Perth, Lavinia. I participated in five events uh, in the uh, World Masters Championships. I did the cross country, which was an 8K cross country, and I won a gold medal. Uh, I did the 5K on the track, run 22 minutes and win a gold medal. I ran 10K on the track and ran 46 minutes and won a gold medal. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> then I um, had a couple of days rest and I did a 1,500 metres on the main, at the main stadium and I ran 6.05, which is the fastest 1,500 I've run for three years, and I won another gold medal. <laughs> and the next day I fronted up for the half marathon uh, along the banks of the Swan and um, I ran 140.59 officially and won another gold medal. So I had five gold medals in all. When was the last time you actually got beaten, Lavinia? Do you remember? In my age group? Yeah. Uh, when I was in the 65 age group, I'd get beaten regularly, Yes. Yes, but I haven't been beaten in the 70 age group yet. So I've had three years in the 70 age group. I think um, it's it's attrition, you know. Um, as people get older, they get slower and, and they stop competing. But for some reason, my body doesn't want to stop competing and I'm actually getting relatively better now than what I was, say, 20 years ago. And what do you put that down to? Just good genes. <laughs> Good genes. No, no, we, we, we don't want to hear good genes. We want to hear that it's something that all of us can, can get to. <laughs> all right. Okay. Um, well, it's moderation in everything, um, smart training. If you get injured, um, you investigate to see what's caused the injury, then you get some treatment and you follow instructions from your practitioner. If they say don't run, you don't run. Even if, you, even if you're tempted to, well, I'll just give it a try tomorrow because I want to race next week. Well, it doesn't work that way because you'll only make your injury worse. That's, that's, that's the, the trap that people fall into. They think, oh, oh I'm, 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 I'm over it. Um, I'm pretty good now. I'll just give it a test before I actually race. And that's the thing that tips you right over the edge again and you get re-injured. So it's really being smart about what you do. That does sound like very sensible advice. Um, <laughs> what sort of, what's your weekly kilometres? What's your mileage per week? Um, generally about 50 kilometres a week. Um, leading up to Perth, um, I was in what I call serious training and I was up to about 65 a week. But um, I found that as I crept up, little niggles started to come, so I had to back off again. 
Um, I run six days a week. Friday is my rest day, generally. Um, and I do <clears throat> two uh, what I call speed sessions. This is when I'm in serious training. Um, two what I call speed sessions a week and and they alternate with three different sessions. One is a speed session, which it's not it's not very much in terms of of what um, people think of as a speed session. I do five two hundreds uh, with a two hundred jog recovery, with a warm up and a cool down, of course. And I do another one of my sessions is <clears throat> four eight hundreds with a warm up and a cool down with a a four hundred meters jog recovery. And my other session is a hill repeat session. I've got a, a nice um, incline. It's only an incline. It's not a steep hill. It's an incline. And I do five repetitions up there, which take me about anything from a minute 15 to a minute 25. And I do those as repeats and do five of those. And that's my three sessions that I've been doing now for the last two or three years. But other than that, I just do a little jog half an hour in the mornings and that's me done for the day. <laughs> and my long run is usually, I would, I accidentally did an 18k run one Saturday morning during, during my training period, thinking that I was doing 15, but we sort of detoured a little bit and accidentally added another 3k to it. But I pulled up okay. I'm not a proponent of um, of really long run, training runs because I think they tire you out too much. That makes perfect sense. Well, it does, but um, if I say that to people, they say, oh, no, I have to have my long run, I have to have my long run. And I say, well, you really don't, but then everybody's different. I mean, not what, what I do for, for my training doesn't necessarily suit somebody else for their training, you know. The key to improving is to do some speed work. If you train and you run slowly, well, then your body's used to running slow and that's the way you'll race. So you have to incorporate some speed work, but you also have to be very, very mindful that your body's not used to the speed work. So you could tax your muscles more than more than normal sort of thing and, and that's how you get injured. You, it's, it's just a fine line between keeping it right <laughs> well Lavinia you've obviously got it right but do you ever have people express to you because you are older that you're just doing too much no nobody's ever said that because I think because I've been so successful um, I don't I still think that I can improve I I haven't run the the to my optimum yet people say say to me oh oh i was so i had i was sick after i'd finished you know i pushed myself so hard i was i was vomiting and i said well i've never i've never pushed myself to that and and quite a few people say oh well that means you haven't tried hard enough and i said well maybe it does but i can still go the next day and do another run sort of thing and most times when i finish particularly even in um, perth I finished the 5K and there was a, a young guy there with a microphone and he said, oh, you look like you could do it all again. I said, well, actually, I think I could because I don't push myself hard enough. Well, maybe. I don't know. I regularly <laughs> push myself to throwing up. So I think it's different. Well, recently uh, I have, yeah. Yeah. No, I've never. I started running at school when I was 16 and I've never reached that state. Have you have you had a break or you've just run consistently since then? Pretty much gone run consistently since then, yes. Wow. Um, I've got three children, so obviously I I wasn't like the, the modern day mums, you know, I didn't run up until the day before I gave birth and, and <laughs> the day after I'd given birth sort of thing. I was a bit wussy. I stopped running when I was about six months pregnant, I think. And started running again when about uh, three months after the 
were born sort of thing. So I'm sure there are millions of mothers out there who would not consider that wussy at all. <laughs> yes, but, um, you know, I, I, I can't and I don't know how women can run when they're so pregnant. You know, I, I, you do see lots of, lots of ladies who are obviously very pregnant um, running around park run even and I think how you know how, how on earth can you do that I just it's just not in my nature to do that and I, and I never ever came back straight away sort of thing well I imagine all the bits and pieces are still a little bit tender for a while so <laughs> yeah I mean it never even entered my head to start running again it was just one of those gradual things, you know, oh, I might go for a run today and probably have a little jog for about two or three K. That was, would have been how I started. I just honestly can't remember. <laughs> well, I'm, I don't think a six to 12 month break is, is classified as a, a particularly big break when you consider you've been running since you were 16. Have you had to take any breaks due to injury during that time? Not major, not major injuries. No, I've I've had little breaks, maybe um, two or three weeks while I've got over an injury and then done the recovery phase. But other than that, no, I haven't had any. Um, just had the odd calf calf tear, you know, a little calf tear and stuff like that. But nothing major. No broken bones. No. Um, no pull tendons, no knees out of alignment, no hip replacements or anything like that. No, I've just been very, very lucky um, with the body that I've been given. You've never got sick of running? You've never lost the motivation? No, no, never, never. Um, I've done, I've done variations of, you know, like I've run, I've run 50Ks and I've run 100K, uh, but not, and I've done a few trail runs, done some mountain running. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the, the Bright Alpine climb yeah. over uh, Melbourne Cup weekend. You run up um, four mountains in four days. Well, I did that 25 years in a row. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. 25 years I did um, that particular event. And it's a, it's a brilliant event. It's, it was run by um, a guy and his wife. They conducted it for over 30 years and then the lady died and somebody else took it over. Now it's a commercial proposition, so it's never it's never ever going to be the family-run event that it was originally. And that was just such a fun weekend. We used to take friends to, to Bright. There used to be about 25 of us all sharing accommodation, you know, and have it going up on the Friday, come home on, on the Wednesday after Melbourne Cup. And we just have a, just have a hoot, hoot, and run the mountains, and you know, shorts and singlet, no, no big packs on our backs, no belt buckles with water bottles in and stuff like that. You know, I wonder how we do it, how we did it. Now we wouldn't, we would, you wouldn't get away with running like that these days. You regularly use parkrun. You've done quite do. a few now. Um, yes. What do you enjoy about the uh, parkrun experience? Uh, I, I love going to the parkrun. Um, I'm a Lilydale parkrunner, and um, I have heard, it's, it's to be debated, I have heard that it's one of the better parkruns because we do two laps, and everybody thinks that it's flat, but it's not. Um, but we get lots of families that at Lilydale, um, in my particular case, I've, there's myself and my son, my two daughters, my daughter-in-law and three grandchildren that have been doing parkrun at Lilydale. And, and two, two of my grandchildren are at, at 10 and under, so they have to have somebody with, running with them. So Friday, um, they ring around to see who's going to do parkrun with them on Saturdays. It's generally me. <laughs> Do you find you have to slow down when you run with the grandkids, Lavinia? Because I know a lot of kids that are pretty sprightly. Yes, well, um, the 10-year-old is, is after my PB. <laughs> she, she's run just over 24 at the moment. 
and uh, my little grandson, well, he's just happy to be running around there. He does want to get PBs from time to time, but sometimes he's just too tired, so we walk and jog. Do you love that your whole family can participate with you? Oh, yes, yes, it's it's great. Um, it's, it's an excuse to catch up too because everybody leads busy lives these days. We usually p- catch up at Parkrun. Oh, it's a nice place to do it. Do you, you've, you've travelled around a little bit and you've been to quite a few different events. Have your family come along with you to those? No, um, I've, been, I've been away um, on holidays virtually, um, visiting other people that do parkrun. So I did a couple in Albury with some friends that live in Wagania and um, I've got friends at Berwick Springs, um, done a couple of Berwick Springs. Um, I had a tryout at Frog Hollow because I like the name. <laughs> I've done Westerfolds and Gels because they're hilly. I did Westerfolds the first time because I thought I needed a bit of a challenge and then I went back and ran faster the next time, so I was happy with that. Um, I want to go back yeah. to you said Lilydale Lake is not flat. I've run no. Lilydale Lake, Lavinia. Yes. I think it's flat. You think it's – well, it's flat compared to – Westerfolds or Gels Park, but um, if you're running hard, it's not flat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what I've been doing wrong. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. well, park runs a social thing for me. When... It, 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 it's a social it's a social thing for me. But even if even if I'm running, you know, if I decide, well, I'm going to do it because what I usually do at Lilydale, I go early and I run a couple of laps of the lake. Then I do the park run with my grandchildren. Then I do another couple of laps of the lake. So it breaks. The end of the day, you've done 15 kilometres, but it doesn't feel like 15 because you you virtually run slow and fast and slow and fast and you get a bit of a session in without even realising. When you are chatting with people after park run, mm-hmm. and the people you mix with, do they, are they aware of your feats? Are they aware they're chatting to the, the fastest in the world? Um, some are, some aren't. <laughs> uh, they, they, they're pretty proud of me at Lilydale. Um, I actually, on Saturday, um, got my 50th parkrun certificate. And so they, they made a little, they had a little, um, blurb prepared apparently, um, because they said that, that I was the best in the world. Um, <laughs> do you do you not just like walk around with all your medals on your neck all the time? No, no. Because I would not, I mean, it's one of my rules when I do any event, I pretty much only ever do events that have medals, I will wear that medal for the rest of that day. It doesn't matter if I'm getting on a plane or if I'm going out to dinner or a restaurant, the medal stays on until I go to sleep. But, it, well, I mean, it, I take it off to have a shower and then wear it for the rest of the day. But if it was a gold medal for, you know, a world fastest time. I'm pretty sure I would like sew that to my skin. <laughs> no, I I usually um, receive my medals and then I put them away somewhere. <laughs> you don't have a giant trophy cabinet? No. 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 I don't have many photos either. I'm not a I'm not a photo person. Um, in 2014, um, I was actually named as the World Masters Athlete of the Year. And um, there was a sort of a lot of publicity at the time. And um, people were asking me for photos. And I didn't have any photos to show them. So they had to to take photos. And since then, um, you know, everybody wants to take my picture sort of thing. But I hate photos. I hate having photos taken. I'm getting a little bit more used to it now, though. What's next for you, Lavinia? What What's the next thing to conquer? <laughs> well, I'm very seriously considering going to do the World Championships indoors. Indoor running uh, different. Yes, indoor running is completely different. I've never done it before. Is, is that like on a treadmill indoors or is there an in indoor track? It's on a circular indoor track. It's a 200-meter track, and it's what they call boards. It's like um, it's like a wooden track, 
and it's slightly banked, uh, ah. just like like a, like a cycling track. Yep. So you can um, corner faster. Yes, yes. Um, it's two hundred meters around, and they have they have some they have sprints. They have a sixty meters and a 200 metres, and then they have an 800 metres, a 1500 metres, and a 3K on the boards. I was going to say, you wouldn't want to go too far, would you? Because you'd get dizzy at your pace. <laughs> but um, the, we've had um, Masters Indoor Championships now for, they're, they're every two years, and I think there's been about maybe five of them. And I've, I've always had the in the back of my head. I've always thought, "Oh, that would be fun to do." And then after I defended my titles in Perth that I won in Leon last year, I thought I've got to do something different. So I'm seriously considering going to Daegu in in South Korea in March to have an attempt on the on the boards. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thank you very much for asking me to speak with you. It's time to visit Sydney and an event that I've always been interested in because they launched the same weekend as Studley. Welcome to the podcast, Rachel from Panania Park Run. Thank you for having me. Peel back the curtain here. We've already established the correct pronunciation of Panania before we started the interview. It's a pretty cool name. Is it the name of the suburb? It is now. That's a bit of a tricky question. Where we so what's recently happened is we've had to move only just two weeks ago to a different park. So that's a, another direction we might go down a little bit later, but. It's only just across the road from where the original um, track was, which is actually in another place called Milpera with an interesting name. They're both Aboriginal um, names. And we just liked Panania because it fit well. It ran well off the tongue, basically. Panania Park Run. We liked it. And it was just, we thought it might be a name that people would remember. And then as it turned out, it must have been a, um, a sign of some sort because we had a fair few things uh, go wrong, I guess you could say, over the past few months. And in the end, we did actually go across the road to the other park, to Panania. Well, tell us about that. What, what actually went wrong and why did you move? So, originally, we I found that park. Um, it's a beautiful spot along the Georges River. It's quite secluded. Not many people go there. It, it was like a, an old hidden treasure an old picnic area that people just didn't visit. And um, we started running there, my friends and I, and we really, really liked it. And because it's beside the river in, um, and because it was run down, it had just been let go a lot by the council. So we worked really hard to, with them together to get it all back up and, and nice and ready to run and safe and, and everything. And we launched and it was great and we had a lot of feedback about how good the course was. It was really a flat course, pretty fast. Um, along the river, obviously, beautiful views and even a hidden rainforest. So it was really, really nice track. But then in winter this year, we had a lot of rain and we got flooded out. So that was our first problem. <laughs> After that happened, it took about a month for all of the um, water and everything to subside and you can imagine the park was in a bit of a state. So again, we had to work with the council to get it all fixed up and scrape the path and make it safe again. And that was fine. We went along for a little while. Um, occasionally, we, because it's you know quite bushy down there, we'd have to move some branches and things off tracks, but nothing too bad. And then we hit our, our next problem <laughs> up the on one part of our course, along the, the front part we call it, there was an old building which was an old motorboat club. It had been sold off about 10 years ago, but nothing had ever happened to that. And the track ran Riverside along the front of that. Um, we'd had approval to run through there. Council told us it was all um, fine and it was council land. 
Then one morning we got there at 7 o'clock, preparing to get ready for 8 o'clock, and there was a fence across our track. So we couldn't run. <laughs> well, we couldn't run the way we usually would run. So luckily enough, Parkrun community, you know what they're like. I had someone down there on a bike who was helping me set up that day, and she did a quick um, scoot around on her bike, and we remapped out a new course just in the interim. But um, more recently, as it was becoming busier with cars and things going into that new building site, because now 10 years down the track they've decided they're going to refurbish that club, it was just not becoming safe anymore and it was too busy. So I decided it was time to go. That's about it. Not very many courses get to completely shift. You're lucky you had another one close by. Are there any plans once the construction is all completed to move back to the original course? I would like to. Um, I've talked about that with the Territory Director and we did say once um, all that building work is done, we might be able to do that because it was a really nice spot. Where we are now is nice and we've had really good feedback, but it's just not as pretty. We're not no longer beside that river, um, although it's across the road. But, yeah, it's just – it would be nice to go back, although we're enjoying the new course at the moment. Now, Rachel, in terms of parkrun age, you're not very old. You haven't been around for a long time. Um, you've, you've done six individual parkruns, but – infinitely more volunteer roles. How did you get involved with Parkrun? Where did you first hear about it and where did you start? Uh, so I had, I haven't even been, I haven't been a runner for that long actually. I only started running in 2012. I loved it pretty quickly. Loved it and hated it of course because it was hard but that's what I loved about it. And throughout that year I just had a lot of friends say to me, oh, how'd you learn to run? I wish I could do that, which evolved into the following year. I started up my own running group, just a community group with a, a bunch of friends, about 10 people called Rachel's Runners, and I took them through how I learned to run the process, and then 10 turned into 20, turned into 30, turned into 50, kept going, 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 and the process was um, we would do 12 weeks of intervals, running and walking, increasing up to a 5K distance was our finale weekend or our, our fun run we'd make up our own fun run and go and run five kilometers and then I um on I think it was on Instagram or my, I think it was Instagram I'd got right into the running world of course and I started seeing people talking and posting about park run and I had never heard of it because it wasn't very popular in Sydney back then I think by this stage it was the end of 2013 and um I started to find do a little bit of research and I saw that I think they were mostly up in Queensland and I just thought, oh, this is this is the perfect match for us really because people, once they'd finished the Learn to Run, they kept coming back to the start every time we'd redo it. But really they, you know, they wanted to go off and do other things but they liked the group and the community atmosphere that we'd established. So I did a little bit of research at the end of that year to find out about Puck Run and I contacted them. I didn't have a track in mind at the time. I just wanted to find out a bit more about it and setting one up, got the details and then didn't know if I wanted to get into, at that point, being the organiser of another community group, so I let it go and then I think I let it go for quite a while and then in 2014 I met a friend, another person called Damon who ended up being a good friend of mine and he had recently set up the Menai Park Run, which is only about 10-minute drive from me, and he then not long after that became the Territory Director of Sydney South, and he was in the process of setting up Cronulla. And I said to him, oh, you know, I've looked into setting up a park run before, but I wasn't sure of a track. In the meantime, I'd found one, and I said, I think I've got a good spot. Would you come down and have a look? So between he and I, we went down. He loved it. He loved what I loved about it. It was quiet. It was just a nice spot. It didn't have a lot of other traffic or park users, so it was pretty much our own. And um, he helped me get it off the ground and get it in motion, and that was it. How did you find that process, Rachel? Um, a lot of people would really love to start up a park run. Did you find it a easy, enjoyable process? Well, 
at first when I first contacted Parkrun, I, I was a bit overwhelmed with having, you know, to find some local business supporters and things like that. So that's initially where I went, oh, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure if I can have people that will commit to helping me each week to run it. You know, I just I wasn't sure. So it was a bit daunting at first. But then when I found Damon, it was good because he'd already been through the process twice of approaching councils and, and working out sponsors and things like that, all the supporters. So it made it a bit easier. And in that few years, of course, too, I'd also built up a big running community locally. So I knew that I would have a constant bank of people to help volunteer. Um and then everyone, of course, was excited that Parkrun was coming because in those couple of years it got a lot bigger in the community and there was more. Campbelltown got set up, which is about a 20-minute drive from here and St Peter's in the other direction, 20-minute drive. That was the original, I think. So it was the word was out there more and I knew I'd have more support then. We just had to let other people know wider than my Rachel's Runners community that we were bringing it to Panania. Sydney certainly is growing. What's the vibe like in Sydney with the park runners? Are more and more people aware of it, or is it still pretty niche running scene? Uh, I feel like it's still pretty niche. It's still early days. A lot of the people that you get doing the touristy stuff come from interstate. Um, a lot of people around here still don't know about it. We've done a lot with our local supporters to get it out in the community and bit by bit more and more people come and and it's just about breaking down those those sort of perceived ideas that it's for runners because, well, my running group started people walking. So, you know, we've got all those, those beginner people and just bit by bit it's about spreading that word that we welcome everyone and people are surprised when they come at how welcoming everyone is and, and you know, what a, a great community it is and, and they see that anyone can participate and then they go and tell their friends and then they tell their friends and bit by bit, I think it's, yeah, it's growing. It never gets old watching the surprise of people who, who don't believe you no matter how much you tell them and then they come along and they're just amazed at how welcoming and inclusive it is. Yeah, so true. I think, they might think, oh, it's timed, it's like a fun run, I can't run. But, yeah, I say just come once, I promise, you'll love it. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us on the podcast this week, Rachel. We really appreciate it. We'll have to have you back to talk to us on Club Corner about Rachel's runners. Yeah, no problem, I'd love to. Thank you for having me. There's a launch in Victoria. Big surprise coming up this week. Scotty, are you going to be at Warrnambool Park Run? Definitely not. Long way from where I am. Even though Victoria is a very small state compared to, you know, some of the others, it's a so long way. So what are we talking go. about? What's what, what's that in hours of driving? Well, this is very close to Portland. And remember, we've talked about um, some round trips being going to become statesmen. So... What is it, 800 kilometres there and back? That's a long way, isn't it? Yeah, that's substantial. Completely doable if you're an adventurer, but substantial nonetheless. It's certainly an early start if you wanted to drive to Parkrun without sleeping over the night before. Look, normally I would because you're right, I'm an adventurer, but it's my last week of being a territory director. So I will be at Albert Park, which is one of my events, for their fifth anniversary. And they're having a flashback five theme. Ooh, that's an interesting one. Have you got a costume sorted or are you going to territory director suit up for the last time? I think last time I was there. So the idea is that you can just flash back to any previous park run you've attended. So I think... Last time I was wearing my TD polo, so this time I'll wear my TD polo. So I'm, I'm still on theme. Okay, that sounds valid. Nambour, you'll be at an anniversary. Nambour, they're going wild for their They first. are going wild. They want people to dress up as their favourite jungle or Aussie animal. Um, so I have half my costume. I'm still waiting for the second half to arrive. 
and I may need another trip to an op shop this week to make some modifications to the first half that I already have. But I'm looking forward to it. You know what? I have not officially run the hardest park run in Australia and this weekend I'm going to do it on a park run day. So that will be my event number 34. Now that you've just caught up to me, I'm just going to sneak ahead again. Hmm, maybe I will go to Warnable's launch. Yeah, we're back. <laughs> <laughs> Nanville is actually also my Nendi, and it is my closest park run geographically to where I live. So it's it's a bit embarrassing, actually, that I haven't run it on park run day yet. I am surprised to hear that. Two years ago, we launched our 100th event at Callumvale. Two years on, we're getting very close to our 200th event in the next couple of weeks. Can you- can you believe that was two years ago? How fast has that gone? It doesn't seem that long ago. What do they say? Time flies. It does. And they're having a sports theme, so that'll be cool too. But yes, close to 200 events. We know we, we are part of the lucky few who know what that 200th event is going to be. It's been locked in. Very exciting. It will be. I think there's a little bit of intrigue and prestige around being 200 but at the end of the day it doesn't really matter <laughs> i'm kind of keen and waiting for um event number 250 when parkrun australia gets their green shirt i'm looking forward to that one i will make sure i'm at that one no matter where it is in the country i might join you mel at that 250th event are you going to join me for club corner absolutely it's around the corner from me this week i believe it is let's find out all about it This week on Club Corner, we're joined by Sonia Stacey from the South Bank Tri Club. Welcome, Sonia, and tell us all about your club. South Bank started in 2010, actually, with with a group of um, three mates who, uh, after a um, after an eventful first attempt at the Malulabar Triathlon, decided it would be pretty cool to develop their own to start their own club. Um, and they did that, and they they put out some flyers around. South Brisbane and West End area and um, expected to have about 20 people turn up and something like 80 people turned up at their first night um, to to join Um, and it's gone on sort of strength from strength since then. It's a volunteer-led non-profit community club um, which thrives on volunteerism which is why we love parkrun so much because the the ethos is exactly what um what we find with south bank tri club as well as with our um our base which is south bank parkrun um and in fact the run director at south bank parkrun is, is is one of our members as well um of south bank tri club so we um we usually build parkrun into our training program for each saturday or, or at least once every couple of weeks um, we like to do parkrun tourist event. We have a little bit of a hashtag of SBTC on tour and people will um, take photos of themselves in their SBTC kit, particularly at parkrun, but all over the world really as they go travel um, and train, train while they're away. We usually put at least, usually put about once a month, we have a big event at South Bank Park Run itself where we try and get the whole club to come. And a couple of times a year, we take over all the volunteer places um, at South Bank Park Run. And um, and we usually have paces another couple of times a year as well. Um, our, our members have, um, a lot of them have South Bank Park Run as their home park run. So they do extra volunteering apart from that. Um, and we, we love it. You started off with three members Sonia how how many did you say you've got now did you say um they it, it was three mates who decided to start the club back in six years ago in 2010 um but it's now got just over 300 members so um we have had as much as 400 a couple of years ago I think but triathlon has just exploded in um in Brisbane um well pretty much everywhere but certainly in southeast Queensland, it's great climate for it. Um, so, so there's lots of triathlon clubs on offer now, which is um, which is fantastic. Uh, so there's lots of op- options for people close to home. But we've got about 300. Oh, I was 304 the other day. We've had a couple of join today, so we're probably up to about 310, I think. And how do you find? You said you obviously take part at South Bank Park Run quite a lot as part of your training. How do you find that works in with the overall training program for your members? Uh, well, it depends on what they're training for. So, um, uh, uh, 
sometimes they'll go out and do um, sort of half an hour, an hour, even an hour and a half before park run, um, and then just have park run at the end. Sometimes we have a park run sandwich. So we have um, training, we go for a run beforehand and then we do park run and, and then run afterwards and it might be low heart rate before and after and a bit more of a tempo run during park run itself. Um, for some people, they'll be aiming to be on, on, on their training program. They might be aiming to actually do to do a PB or it might be incorporating a low heart rate run. Um, sometimes people do brick sessions, so they'll actually do a ride in the morning before park run um, and and then park run will be just the, the usual 5Ks. Um, and then we also use the park run course, I suppose, as part of our um, training sometimes during the week because we base ourselves obviously at South Bank. Does anyone ever do a brick session with a swim? Because don't they have a beach at um, South Bank? Yeah, yeah. I, I um yeah, definitely. We, uh, lots of people do, do do that. In fact, it was so hot last Saturday that a lot of people were just um, were quite unintentionally doing a brick session <laughs> and swimming afterwards because um, it was so hot. They just jumped jumped straight into the lagoon. Um, and I was thinking, I definitely need to plan for that. Yeah, so I I, I did that the other day. I, I did a swim um, swim first up. Got there early um, and did sort of a forty minute swim or something. Not not very long. And then um, and then came and ran afterwards. You also mentioned that the club organises a volunteer day at Park Run. We just organise it ahead of time with Gareth and, and we book the date off for, for us to do all the volunteer spots and, and then we'll do pace setters as well. So if people actually still want to do a, a good run, then, they'll, um, then they can volunteer to be a pace setter. Do you all wear your kit when you're volunteering and do you use it as an opportunity to promote your club the week that you volunteer? Yeah, it is. Actually, and it's um just last, uh, not last week, the week before, I think, um, but yeah, we, we always wear our singlets there and I had someone join the club through having a bit of a chat to me at the start line, which was really nice. Um, and we had a really, the last volunteering um, event that we had a couple of weeks ago, uh, it was lovely because one of the things we always try and do is um, is really support people as, as, as they finish and as they're competing and, and that's a bit of a SBTC culture. Um, so we, we lined the, the finishing line and Gareth's got a really, really great little video up actually of the finish line experience, which is very cute. Um, but we, during normal triathlon events, we, we, we're always there to cheer on the last competitor, and, and it's, it's a bit of a thing for us. Um, so we're always cheering on everyone, high-fiving everyone. Um, we always have at least sort of a few people who turn up to every event just for supporting roles, um, just to be supporters. And we're supporting not only our club members, but sort of everyone else on the course, really. Um, and so it was the same thing when we were volunteering a couple of weeks ago, um, everyone who did finish was then lining the, the finishing shoot and we were just cheering everyone on as they finished, which was really, really lovely. And, and uh, there was a lady who finished and she came up afterwards at, um, when she was getting her barcode scanned and said, could you come back in a couple of weeks because I'm going to turn 70 and I'd love you to have you there at the finish line to cheer me on because that was lovely, <laughs> which is very sweet. <laughs> so what kind of ages are the people in your club sort of demographically wise, Sonia? Well, it's um, it's interesting actually. For our adult members, it's um, it's anywhere from nineteen through to seventy five. Um, we've got it's a really broad range. So we've got universities, uh, university students, sometimes first, second, third, or even fourth time around. Um, and we've got retirees who are the, our runner of the year from last year. Um, Rick is actually still doing P- marathon PBs at seventy five, which just blows my mind. Um, and, and he's a very common podium winner. We have junior members, but we're not, we're not a junior focus club. Our junior members are just um, are, are children of existing members, so they have to come and train with their parents. Uh, we don't have an actual training junior training program like some clubs do. And in, in terms of other demographics, it's a really broad range. I actually find that really refreshing. It's um, you, you turn up for training, and it's not the usual small talk when you meet someone about you know where you work, where you live, and um, you know how old your kids are, and where they go to school. It's um, it, it's about how's your training going, when's your next race. Um, for a certain, for those of us of a certain age, it ends up being how your injury recovery is going, um, because it's a little bit of a, a an ongoing issue for injury recovery. Um, um, but it's actually it's really refreshing. It's it's a completely different um, mix of people. What we do find for South Bank Tri Club itself is um, one of the observations I've made is we do tend to have a very high proportion of people in service industries. 
um, which I take it to mean that they found their found their tribe is what I call it. But um, in South Bank Tri Club, where it's where it's a volunteer giving club, so people who choose that as a career, um, and if they want to get into triathlon, South Bank Tri Club suits them. So. Um, like I'm a pharmacist, we've got lots of nurses, doctors, physiotherapists and teachers, uh, ambulance officers and firefighters and people who are in the industry who actually want to give back to others, which is lovely. And then we have lots of data nerds um, who, who love to just crunch the numbers, so accountants and engineers. and and But sometimes they're really – they're well, sometimes, of course, a lot of times they're really lovely as well. I'm married to one, I better say that. Um, but, but they're also the sort of people that – the ones to give back to others. We are open to um, beginners all the way through to podium winners. We've got members of the club who have been doing, have been participating in triathlon since it first started in the 1980s. They're absolute gurus. They're amazing um, to hear their stories of what triathlon started off to be. And then we've got absolute beginners as well who were just doing their very first enticer. And, and, and we've got the plotters who were just there to participate. Um, um, and we've got the real competitors who, who were who were podium. Um, we have, we usually have at least one podium winner for for each for each competition that we go along to, which is pretty exciting. We we but we love all all ranges of, of people. If you want to do triathlon, it's a, it's a it's a great club to be. I think what I find, what I found on reflection is that triathlon is a great individual sport because you're just really competing against yourself. You're trying to do the best that you can do. But being in a club such as ours means you can do that in, in a team where you're really supporting each other. But if you don't do well that day, you're not letting anyone else down. Um, so that's what I love to do. But you've still got the, the, the support to do the best that you can do. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast this week, Sonia. We appreciate you giving us an insight into your club. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That's it. Another podcast done. Not a lot of general banter this week. So, Matt, you should be happy. Matt who? Exactly. Mel, thanks for joining us. You're very welcome, Scotty. You know what you got to do? Um, is this a trick question? Oh, wait, you want me to say goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Why don't you ever have to say goodbye? Maybe next week we should change it up.